Like he was dead in the water. Ball slips her by six. Jordan. Open. Chicago with the lead. If that's the last image of Michael Jordan, how magnificent the series. It's Lillard. He got the shot off. What's up, everyone, and welcome back to a brand new episode of the 3 and D. I'm Paul Lombardi, and I'd like to welcome everyone back to the Review and Preview Network for my weekly NBA and college basketball show. Make sure to check us out on all social media platforms and subscribe to our YouTube channel at Review and Preview Sports. In tonight's episode, I'm joined by Tom Scavetta as we discuss the retirement of Roy Williams, the Chris Beard hiring, and preview the Final Four on this special Saturday morning. So, Tom, how are we doing? Good morning, Paul. It's going good. I got my coffee out, getting ready for some Final Four men's hoops tonight. Yep, looking forward to it. And uh, thanks again for having me on. This is going to be a lot of fun. We got some good teams to talk about. And yeah, Roy Williams, it's crazy. This has been uh, this has been a crazy year. So uh, the unthinkable continues to happen. And yeah, let's uh, let's get down to it. It's wild. I can't believe that they kind of came out of nowhere. There was a lot of. I mean. We're talking about the sports world in general. It's like the last few days, you know, you had the Lindor signing for the Mets, for us Mets fans. And then you had the Roy Williams uh, retirement the very next day. And then Chris Beard got the uh, um, got the uh, Texas job. And then Oklahoma hired Porter Moser yesterday. Like it was just, it was all insane. Perkins. And but in between now and... Since my last episode, basically, we're doing a special Saturday night, ep- Saturday morning episode because pre- the final four is obviously tonight. We got to uh, review all of it and we got to preview all of it, I should say, review and preview all of it. And, um, but since Sunday, but the last episode went through some of the names that entered the NBA draft, um, that declared, and there's been a few more. So, Give you the rundown real quick. Cade Cunningham declared for the draft. Obviously, the number one projected number one overall pick from Oklahoma State freshman point guard. Um, he declared he's going to hire an agent. Uh, James Booknight from UConn, sophomore. Uh, he shooting guard. He's, he declared for the draft too, planning on hiring an agent. I have him ranked number eleven. I'm right now sifting through my top one hundred. I'll. Uh, I'm. You know going to make sure that I reveal all of that, but I got my top 100 big board for the NBA draft, and I got James Booknight ranked 11. Uh, Josh Christopher 
from Arizona State freshman. He declares going to hire an agent. He's ranked number 13. So end of the lottery, projected mid mid first round pick. Sire Williams, uh, Stanford freshman, number uh, I have him ranked number 15. He's a small forward, so he's like mid first round, end of the lottery kind of uh, draft pick. He's he declared he's going to hire an agent. Charles Bassey, big man from Western Kentucky, junior. Um, he's playing on hiring an agent and declared for the draft. He's one of the top ranked centers in this year's, uh, this year up this upcoming year's draft. Uh, I have him ranked number 20. So he's like, he's close to like the end of the first round really. Uh, and then Sharif Cooper point guard from Auburn. I've got him ranked 33. He declared for the draft going to hire an agent. Austin Reeves from Oklahoma, senior sharpshooter. He declared for the draft. Obviously he's a senior. So obviously this year with the extra year of eligibility, all these seniors have to declare for the draft or they're allowed to go back for like a fifth or sixth year or whatever it is. Uh, and he did, he's going to withdraw from his eligibility and declare for the draft. They got him in the mid second round uh, in most mock drafts. I, I, I think he can be a good NBA player because he's a knockdown shooter and Scotty Lewis, the other one, I got him ranked 71. So undrafted, he's a, Defensive-minded shooting guard, Florida sophomore, was a five-star recruit. He declared for the draft, and he's going. He plans on hiring an agent too. So those are the the new names that have declared on top of you know the other ones that we went through before. And obviously, more names will come out. Gonzaga is still in the tournament. Baylor's still in the tournament, so we're not going to hear anything from those. I'm very interested to see what Mac McClung's going to do, especially with Chris yeah. Beard leaving Texas Tech. I think that's going to be interesting. Marcus Santos Silva already entered the transfer portal. For his, so he's going to come back for his sixth year, and yeah, I think I think that's going to be really interesting. Yeah, you can talk about Austin Reeves too. I just want to say one thing about him: he, he was the catalyst of Oklahoma's offense this year. Realistically, they gave Gonzaga their toughest test so far in the tournament because they've been blowing people out. So he definitely deserves to declare. I know the Sooners have a lot surrounding them right now, but that transfer portal is heating up. I read somewhere, isn't it close to like, it's over a hundred names at least by now. Oh, at least it's ridiculous. There's like, there's probably several hundred. I, uh, I try to like, I try to follow a few different portal accounts that like that tweet out all the names of guys and they can't even keep track. It's ridiculous. Uh, Aaron Wheeler, who actually uh, is from Stanford. He just committed to, to uh, St. John's. He was at Purdue the last couple of years. I didn't even know he was in the transfer portal. I just saw on Twitter that he committed to St. John's for next year, which is huge. Uh, he's got a lot of good talent, and you know, it'd be nice to see a Stanford kid playing for St. John's too. So that's that, that's never that's never a bad thing. Yeah, we got Andy Hopper spitting stuff in the comments section already. He's uh, waking up early in the Midwest out in Illinois. So shout out to him. I know he. Uh, does Gonzaga cover 14 and a half points today? We'll see. I mean, we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves here. But, yeah, <laughs> they're going to have a little tough test today, I think. No, exactly. Shout out to Andy. Uh, there's Honestly, I think there's more players in the transfer portal than there are D1 teams. Like, actually, there's like about 350-ish D1 teams. And there's right around that for the guys in the transfer portal. It's ridiculous. If you go in like with mid-majors and stuff, too, it's like – it's crazy. The, this year, the transfer portal is insane. I don't really, I don't really know um, why there's so many. I think it, what I can think is a lot of people are banking on uh, an extra year of eligibility, like not being, not having to sit out a year like they had to. Um, no one had to sit out this past year, 
So I think kids are banking on that, especially with the free year because of COVID. Um, that's it. So I, I think, um, you know, I think that that's, uh, one of the reasons. So it'll be, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see if there's going to be more and more names that enter the transfer portal. You know, there's going to be a lot of crazy stuff that goes on. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest thing too to look out for is to see a lot of these upperclassmen, if they're going to take that extra year of eligibility or not, like you were saying, but um, we've also seen a lot of coaching changes over the last few days. So it's going to be very interesting to see how many more of those one, one you didn't bring up actually was uh Shaka. You might've brought it up on Monday's show, but mm-hmm. Shaka yeah. smart to Marquette. So that opened up that opportunity for Chris Beard to coach now at Texas, who, you know, I believe they still have a couple of returning players in Ramey and Jones. So, I mean, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how he fares out there. Cause he was outstanding at Texas tech. Yeah. It's going to be very interesting. And, you know, I thought that like, he might not – it's just switching Big 12 schools is kind of interesting. Um, you know, we'll get more deep into that to talk when we hit, when we hit Chris Beard. But I I think that, like, it, it's he he was a former – he went to Texas. You know, he was a GA at Texas. That's why um, I think he leaned towards that job. Probably offered him more money than Texas Tech was paying him to. That's always a plus. And, you know, Shaka Smart leaving for Marquette opened the door for that. Yeah, we touched that – we touched on that on Monday – uh, that was that was just a, that was a big move from last week. Kind of came out of nowhere, but it seemed like he was going to get fired anyway. That's what like everybody was saying. Everybody was like speculating. That's why he ditched town and went to Marquette because uh, it would be kind of like it would be kind of a weird move if he was still guaranteed the Texas job to to ditch to Marquette. But uh, we'll switch things up a little bit and jump right into Roy Williams. So. This past week, Roy Williams retired. Longtime uh, head coach in college basketball. He was head coach of Kansas from 1988 to 2003, and then North Carolina from 2003 to 2021. He's won th- won three national championships: 2005, 2009, 2017, all with UNC. Uh, he definitely made his legacy with UNC. He was a tremendous head coach at Kansas, but UNC is where he strived big time and won three championships. Had nine Final Four appearances with two-time AP Coach of the Year basketball hall of fame member and career 903 and 264 record and 79 and 27 in the tournament. So he's 70 years old, decided to call it quits. Uh, This leaves a huge vacancy in college basketball. The UNC job is wide open. I think it's going to be really interesting uh, to see, like to see what happens with that job, especially since it kind of came out of nowhere. Do they, do they promote from within does do they go after like any of the mid-major uh, head coaches? Do they go after any of the other big names that might leave no- another big program in order to to get the UNC job? Like it's it's going to be interesting. Yeah, and you know a little backlog on Roy Williams: fifteen years at Kansas, eighteen at UNC. The man has a fabulous resume. He got inducted into the College Basketball Hall of Fame back in 07. and. He's won 30-plus games in seven different seasons. He's performed a model of consistency since he's been a coach. Nine Final Fours, three national championships, two-time AP Coach of the Year. These accolades are insane. Who's going to replace that? I don't know. I mean, one of my buddies, uh, Kanan, is a UNC fan. He's appeared on a couple of my shows before. He thinks it might be Hubert Davis. 
I know Les yeah. Miles is in the discussion as well. Those are probably the top candidates. But to just take a look back at the former players he's coached at UNC, the first notable one that I could think of at least is Marvin Williams towards the beginning of his tenure who went on to have a, you know, a decent NBA career. Ty Lawson, Tyler Hansborough, Luke May, Kobe White, and then eventually Cole Anthony. So yeah. he's had an illustrious pool of players. And the one thing about Roy Williams – he was very professional all the time, win or lose, especially after losses. He never really, you know, he, he didn't have a bad bone in his body is what I'm trying to say. He, he was an outstanding person both on and off the court. So it's sad to see a, a great legend retire, but, you know, it's going to happen. It's that it's that cycle and someone's going to have a new opportunity. So I'm really looking forward to seeing who takes that job. Yeah, definitely. I completely agree. Um, it's the biggest job, obviously, in the, in the market right now, uh, UNC. Just like you said, Marvin Williams was one of the original guys that he brought in. That he was part of the, the his first championship team in two thousand five. Um, he was a tremendous player, especially in college, and put together a pretty solid NBA career. But even you know at Kansas, he had Paul Pierce was a, a big name. Um, he didn't, you know, Kansas wasn't in the final four every single year when he was there and they, they didn't win a national championship, but he did a great job at Kansas and that's what led him to the UNC job. And that's where he started winning big time. And we got Andy Hopper. William Stu game is fire. That's, that is facts. He's, he's always pulled out some big Jordans, some good Nikes, um, big shoe guy. So that's, that's big. And Hubert Davis did leave ESPN to join the staff a few years ago. That's a good point. Hubert Davis is probably the leading candidate as of right now. Um, that's what it seems like, at least. They, you know, Les Miles, like you said, too. Um, it's going to be interesting. There's going to be more names that that jump into the mix. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked, too, if, like, Hubert Davis, too, would be a hire from within. Uh, so I wouldn't be too surprised. I feel like that's what they might lean towards instead of, like, bringing somebody else in. Uh, I, I don't really know necessarily who would leave a big school to go to go to UNC uh, any of like the big time head coaches, you know, like you run through them, like Bruce Pearl, Rick Barnes, um, any of those guys, like would they leave their programs to go to UNC? I'm not sure about that, but it's, it's, it's going to be interesting, but Roy Williams, you know, basketball hall of famer, tremendous head coach uh, did, did one heck of a job at UNC. So big shout out to him for, um, for calling it quits and you know leaving leaving behind a great legacy at UNC, one of the one of the best basketball schools in the nation. And then another hiring, we got Chris Beard took the Texas job. So Chris Beard was a former student at Texas and a GA from 1991 to 1995. He is te- he was Texas Tech's head coach from 2016 to 2021. He brought them to the national championship in 2019 when they lost to Virginia. Uh, that was like his big claim to fame and kind of put him on the map when Texas Tech had that really good team. And obviously they had another great team this year with Mac McClung. Uh, he's 207 and 84 career record, nine and three in the tournament. Uh, it's, I think that the big question with Chris Beer leaving Texas Tech and taking the Texas job, I think he's going to do a great job at Texas. You know, it's, it's, it was his school uh, as whereas he was a GA. But I'm just, in, but I'm interested to see what happens with Texas Tech because they still have, they still had a good team. Mac McClung, 
that was obviously had a couple more years of eligibility. Um, Terrence Shannon was probably leaving for the NBA draft. It was going to be a first-round pick. We already saw Marcus Santos Silva left and is in the transfer portal right now. He was their transfer big man, big man from VCU. Um, so I'm I'm really interested to see what McClung does. To be honest, like, does he decide to transfer again for a second time? Uh, he you know he was already from Georgetown. He, he transferred to Texas Tech and played this year without having to sit out a year. So I'm I'm interested to see what the ramifications are at Texas Tech and kind of what they do to hire from within. You know they're they're a great basketball program too, and also in the Big Twelve. So it'll be interesting. Yeah, they're. They're a different program from UNC. The The road that Chris Beard took to where he is now is much different than Roy Williams, as where he started out at Kansas. Chris Beard started off at a much smaller school. I forget the name, but taking Texas Tech to a national championship in 2019, this year is a six seed. They lost to Arkansas in the round of 32, but I'm pretty sure they, you know, they were competitive in that game. But over his five seasons at Texas Tech, he did a good enough job to uh, – get promoted and in fact he outperformed what texas was able to put on the court over the last five years in fact texas texas has not won an ncaa tournament game since 2014 so he's going yeah. to have a big lift on his shoulders heading into texas because you know a lot of those good players they had are gone they graduated so you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Maybe it's a new regime at Texas. Obviously, a disappointing loss in the tournament to Abilene Christian. That was embarrassing. But it was really bad. Uh, that shouldn't happen under Chris Beard. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, the one thing you can knock Shaka Smart on is that he brought in a lot of talent, but they really didn't win. Like you said, they hadn't won a March a tournament game since 2014, which is like, which is kind of crazy. Uh, they definitely struggled under, under Shaka Smart a bit. They had an under 500 record in conference play since he took over. I think he's going to do a good job in Marquette. Uh, but I think that Chris Beard will come in and he knows what it takes to, for Texas uh, to be good. He, kn- he knows how to recruit. He's already done a tremendous job at that, basically building that Texas Tech program out over the last few years. They were a nothing um, until they made the national championship back in uh, 2019. You know, they had Jared Culver, who's in the NBA now. And, I, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting. I think he's going to do a good job. He's going to be able to bring in talent. You know, it's Texas. You'll always be able to uh, to recruit guys in one of the, the better big 12 schools, but yeah, Texas tech. I'm just, I'm, I'm interested to see uh, how competitive they stay. They, they're going to lose some guys. That's for sure. And I'm not sure they obviously have to get a new head coach and to figure out who to bring in for raw uh, recruiting wise. And, you know, next head coach, uh, I, but I think, I think Beard's going to do a great job at Texas and I'm not at all surprised by this once Honestly, once Chalk Smart left Texas, I had a feeling that this was going to happen, especially since he's a Texas graduate. Too, he was a GA at Texas. He started at Texas. Like this was kind of a move that was not at all shocking. So when he took the job, I was like, all right, like that was the best fit. It seemed like um, I wasn't at all like really surprised about that. No, not at all. But. I will see what happens. We have another coaching change we're going to talk about too, I think, but this was definitely the most interesting one for sure. Chris Beard going interstate. So, yeah. 
Definitely. And so the next one, obviously the third and final one that kind of happened this week that was big. Porter Moser took the Oklahoma job. And for anyone that, you know, might not know the name, that's Loyola Chicago's head coach, Porter Moser. You know, if you're a college basketball fan, you know all about Loyola Chicago. Um, He's been the catalyst of Loyola Chicago's deep runs in 2018 and this past year in the tournament. He was Little Rock's head coach from 2000 to 2003, Illinois State's from 2003 to 2007, and was at Loyola Chicago from 2011 to 2021. So he was there for 10 years. He had a career 293 and 241 record and six and one in the tournament. This was his first career tournament loss this past when they, you know, lost to Oregon State uh, this past week. And they lost in the final four in 2018 and 11 seed when they made that deep run, uh, losing to Michigan. We all remember that. That was one of the best Cinderella stories that we've seen in March Madness history. You know, Sister Jean, all that kind of stuff. But, but yeah, I think it was, I think it's tremendous how. He's completely turned that Loyola Chicago program around. They don't have, they never had any big names too. He made a ton of guys, great players, Crockwick, Williamson. Like they're just good players, a great head coach. And this was an amazing hire for Oklahoma. Obviously the vacancy happened because Lon Kruger retired, who was longtime college basketball head coach. Uh, he was getting up there in age too. He was Oklahoma's head coach this past year. And he, he was, he's a tremendous head coach too. You know, no matter where he goes, he wins. That's that's one thing I like to say about Long Kruger. You look at his career record wherever he goes, they just win. Even this Oklahoma team he had this year, they on paper they were not stacked, but in the least bit. You know, they had Austin Reeves, Brady Manick, um, Devontae Harmon. Uh, they they had some good players, Davion Harmon, I should say. Uh, they had some they had some good players, but when you compare them to the other powerhouses in college basketball, they weren't they weren't nearly as good. And he he was a tremendous head coach, so that was a big a big spot to fill. And Porter Moser is going to jump in and you know take over a big a big job with Oklahoma. He hasn't coached a big time school like this before. You know, like I said before, he was Little Rock, Illinois State, and Loyola Chicago. That's his head coaching experience, and I think. I think he's going to do a great job. I'm really looking forward to see what he does, too. Like, what are your thoughts on the Porter Moser hiring? I like it. I think it's a huge upgrade. As good as Loyola Chicago's been, he took that program to a Final Four and a Sweet 16, like you said. Only, I think he has two tournament losses, right? Because he lost in 18 and the one this year. So I think he does have two tournament losses. That's my bad. Six and two, I meant to say. Not yeah, six he and one. still, regardless, one. I mean, two. That's. A fantastic NCAA tournament record and he had 32 wins that year that they went to the final four now I was a guy that year who had them beating Miami but I didn't have them advancing any further than that and again yeah. similar thing this year I had them winning their game but I didn't think they'd get past Illinois because there was all this hype around Illinois I didn't watch any Illinois games but they were being built up to be this monstrous team that couldn't be stopped with Io Desunmu but you can't doubt Sister Jean and Loyola Chicago. The underdogs run this NCAA tournament. The favorites don't. And that's just how it is. It's, um, <laughs> but oh, it goes. I will say this. Yeah, Oklahoma is losing a lot of players. Two of their top three scores are leaving. One is transferring. The other is going to the draft. Uh, so it's it's definitely not the best situation talent wise. But you know, maybe he'll build the program from the root up, even though, again, Lon Kruger, the program's still in a good state, but they want to get back to 
what they once were. They want to get back to a consistent like top 10, top 15 team every single year is where, you know, Oklahoma last couple of years, they've been competing with teams like Baylor a lot, but you want to take them, you want to take them to that next step where they are one of those teams like Baylor. I think Porter Moser, a younger, a younger mind can absolutely do that. I think so too. I think that it's good. It's different for the program. He'll bring in some good talent too. I, you know, a thought that came across to my mind, which, which I think is interesting, especially if these guys don't have to sit out a year. I wonder if he gets any of the Loyola Chicago kids to transfer to Oklahoma. Imagine the Crutwig or Williamson playing for Oklahoma. That would be interesting. They, they all get an extra year of eligibility. They were both seniors, obviously this year, if they don't decide to, uh, to go pro. Um, they, I don't know if they'll have to sit out a year. They might not risk that. It's just a thought that, you know, would be interesting, but that would be kind of funny. You know, I think, and it, as for the Loyola Chicago job, an interesting, an interesting candidate jumped in. Drew Valentine could be the next in line to take the Loyola Chicago's job. Loyola Chicago's job. Uh, he's Denzel Valentine's brother. He was uh, Porter, one of Porter Moser's top assistants. Um, they, everyone thinks he's next in line to take the Loyola Chicago job. So I think that would be kind of interesting. I think that would be pretty cool. Um, they, you know, keep them relevant, be interesting to see who comes back, which seniors come back, who declares for the draft, um, decides to try to go pro with Crutwig and Williamson. You know, it's, I think, I think it was, it was a good hiring and it shakes up a little bit. Some of these top teams, you know, Oklahoma is a great basketball school and, you know, not not in the same mix as some of the blue bloods, but they're still a very good basketball school. They have a they have a good history, and they haven't been extremely competitive over the last several years. Um, so I think I think this is going to be a, a definitely an interesting look, and uh, I I'm excited to see some of these you know these more mid major guys getting getting looks at bigger schools too. I always love to see that, especially. With a guy like Porter Moser, who who deserves it, you know, there's no doubt about that. Especially after making a Final Four run and a, in deep run in this tournament, and even got Loyola Chicago ranked this year, which is incredible. You know, playing in the conference that they play in, they were they were able to get ranked. So I think that's I think that's great. Um, so very interested to see what what happens with that. And now jumping from the head coaching vacancies, we'll get right into the Final Four. So. Tonight is the big night. Houston versus Baylor, UCLA versus Gonzaga. Four teams left out of the 68. Huge, huge day in college basketball. Two will remain after tonight. Monday night will be the national championship. Can't wait for it. Um, What are your first thoughts going into these matchups, Tom? So... There's a lot of transfer players in this final four, in particular on Baylor and Houston, Quentin Grimes, for example. This is also the most Western final four that we've had ever. There's no team east of the Mississippi River in this final four. And what's crazy is I brought, I mean, we kind of talked about this prior to the show. Neither Gonzaga nor Baylor has ever won a national championship, neither has Houston either. Three of these four teams have never won it. The one team that's won it has won it 11 times. They're the lowest seed remaining by far in this tournament. And it's crazy because the last two double-digit seeds to make Final Fours, obviously Loyola Chicago three years ago, and then Syracuse back in 2016 where when they were a 10 seed. So I'm really, really looking forward to these matchups today. I have an idea on who's going to win each one, but I'm really excited for this Final Four. 
very, very excited. Oh, me too. I can't wait. I think it's going to be interesting. Uh, I, I know who I am, who I think is going to win too. Um, but just like you said, Gonzaga, Baylor, and Houston, ne- no, the three of them have never won a national championship. Last time Houston was in the Final Four was when they made it to three straight in 1982, 1983, 1984, Phi Slamma Jamma. Diehard basketball fans remember that team. Clyde Drexler and Hakeem Olajuwon were on that team, but they never ended up winning a national championship. They made it to three straight Final Fours, but never won. Uh, And Baylor obviously was never a big basketball program until Scott Drew got there and completely turns Baylor around. Like it's, it's incredible the job he's done and they're, they're great this year. You know, they're the best defensive team in the nation. You know, like I've said a million times on this show, the best defensive team in the nation, Davion Mitchell, just one defensive player of the year in college basketball. Uh, He's incredible. He, he elevated himself to being a potential first round pick too this year. Jared Butler was a finalist for player of the year. Uh, Macy Oteague is one of the best shooters in the nation. Like they, they got, they got a great team. And then Gonzaga is just a powerhouse. You know, this is going to be fun. And Gonzaga has never won a national championship, no matter how good they've been in our lifetime. They made it a few years ago, losing to UNC uh, with Karnowski and all those guys. Nigel Williams Goss was on that team. Um, they, 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 Kyle was Wilcher. Was Kyle Wilcher Kyle, on that team? He might have been. I can't remember. I know that Williams Goss was. I know Karnowski was. Karnowski was the big man for that team. Um, but they they made it to the national championship, and you know, obviously they lost. They they haven't won under Mark Few. He's been one of the best college basketball head coaches ever. You know, what he's done with that program is incredible. So it's going to be very interesting. And then obviously we got UCLA. Who is an 11 seed? Not in, it wasn't even supposed to be here. You know, was a first four, barely even made it to the tournament. Um, kind of incredible that they even did. They they got going late. Mick Cronin has done a great job ever since coming over from the Cincinnati job after Alford left. Um, the, the what they've done with Juzang and um, Tiger Campbell and all these guys who have really stepped up for their injured players to Chris Smith is injured this entire time. And people probably don't even know who Chris Smith is. He was, he was one of their best players forward. Um, And he's, he's been hurt the entire season. And obviously they could have had Deshaun Nix too this past year who committed to them, who was going to be a freshman uh, four or five star recruit. He decided to go to the G league instead and play in the G league this year. He's probably kind of wishing that he decided to go to UCLA now that they made this deep run, but it, it it's just incredible how UCLA has been, been rolling right now. And obviously they have 11 national championships, the most all time. Um, they're the most storied. If you, if you want to look at history, the most storied college basketball for, uh, program ever, you know, you can, you can argue Duke, you can argue UNC, but it's, UCLA has been doing it since the 50s, 60s, you know, John Wooden uh, when back when they had Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, you know, they, they were doing it since the beginning of time for college basketball. So they, they've racked up their fair share of national championships. Um, but they're, they're the odd man out in this, you know, you got the three teams who have never won a national championship that are the favorites and three of the, the best teams in the nation this entire past year. And, you know, Houston's the best rebounding team in the country. Quentin Grimes is a beast, great scorer. He's going to, you know, um, possibly be a first round pick too in this year's draft. So I think it's, I'm, I'm excited. There's, it could go many, it could go a variety of different ways, but I, I think I've, I've got an idea of who I'm, who I have in both of the games. So the first game, 
tonight we got number two Houston versus number one Baylor, which is tonight at 5.14 p.m. Both games are at random times. I thought it was kind of funny. 5.14, 8.34. Not exactly sure like how that happened, but you know it is what it is. Kind of funny. But that's going to be – I mean, both of these games are going to be a really good game, but this game is going to be extremely interesting. Houston's been on a roll. They've been been—they've rolled through everybody in the tournament. Um, they had a couple of close calls, like not going to say that they blew everybody out, but they've – They've done their fair share of dominance throughout this tournament. Um, they, they're they an all-around sound team. Kelvin Sampson's a great head coach. And they're up against Baylor, who was dominant last year, You know, was a, a title a title favor last year before the season got canceled, and did it again this year, was the number two-ranked team in the nation for basically the entire season behind Gonzaga. You know, Gonzaga and Baylor were basically the – in the conversation as which one was better. Um, and they were supposed to play each other earlier in the season. And, you know, maybe we'll get that as our national championship. I think, I think that's what we're going to end up getting. I'm, I, I think Baylor's going to win this game just because I think Baylor's too sound of a team. They, they come up big, especially in big, especially in crunch time. They're incredibly poised. They're ready for the spotlight. Jared Butler, hits big shots. Macy Oteague hits big shots. They got so many different guys from all over the place that it can take over a game. So I, I like Baylor, but this is going to be one that goes right down to the wire. Yeah, so for this game, Baylor, they average over 84 points a game this season. They shoot the ball really well, 49% from the field. Houston, though, defensively, they're very stout. They only give up 58 points a game. However, all four of Houston's opponents so far in this tournament have been double-digit seeds. They barely survived Rutgers in the second round, as Andy says. Houston should have lost to Rutgers. I actually agree with that. Yeah, um, I agree. Their whole region was quite – it was a shit show. I mean, <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of people weren't – I didn't predict Houston to come out of that region. I predicted West Virginia, um, which we saw how that fared out for me. But anyway yeah. – um, then they beat Syracuse, and then they beat Oregon State. That's a 10 seed, an 11 seed, and a 12 seed after beating a 15 seed. They haven't played any greater than a 10 seed, and they almost lost to a 10 seed. So you got guys on Baylor like Teague, Butler, Mitchell, Flagler. Those are the four core for the Bears. Neither side really relies on their front court in this game. The X factor for me, this is going to be interesting. It's Matt, it's Matt Meyer off the bench. He's like really that. solid. He's probably their fifth best scorer, in my opinion. And Andy, again, in the comments about Coach Sampson. Look, he rebuilt this program from the bottom up. I get it. But so did Scott Drew, as you mentioned. He took over, I think it was 2004. This program was nothing. I mean, they yeah. were awful. He brought them to an Elite Eight uh, a few years ago. But – I'm going to tell you something. Marcus Sasser and Quentin Grimes, the Kansas transfer, you can't you, you can't deny that. I mean, do I think they're going to cover? Yes. I think they're going to cover, what is it, five-and-a-half point spread, they're saying? Five-and-a-half, yep. I, I think they're going to cover, but I think Baylor's going to win the basketball game. They're the most experienced team remaining in the tournament. They have a lot of good players. So with that being said, give me Baylor, but despite – who Houston has played, 
they are battle-tested because Oregon State made a fantastic run. Syracuse made a good run, and Rutgers gave them a challenge. They've played a lot of close games, as were Baylor, on the other hand. They've kind of won most of their games, I think, by very sizable margins. Yeah. No, definitely. I, you know, you could definitely argue that they've, they kind of had like an easy slate. Um, that's kind of why they might have, you know, blown away from some of the teams. Uh, they should have lost to Rutgers. Completely agree with that. And that kind of says, that says a lot too, because Rutgers was so up and down this year. Like they, they should not have even been in the mix with Houston. But I, I don't see Baylor losing this game. I really don't, just like you alluded to. Um, they're too deep of a team. I think Houston's a good team. You know, I give Kelvin Sampson credit, you know, whether you like him or not. Um, I do think he's a pretty good head coach, and I think that, you know, what what he's done with this team, with the, with Quentin Grimes being really the only huge face, you know, um, on the team. They have a bunch of other good role players. What he's done with this team is, you know, is, is kind of amazing. And I give him a lot of credit. Um, I just don't think that they can stick with the uh, with Drew and Baylor's squad. I I just think Baylor's ready for this moment. This yeah. is this is going to be their matchup to lose, and they're going to come out red hot. They're they're ready for this. They've been waiting two years for this. You know they they wanted to be in the Final Four last year, and you know they got there was no tournament. So that's I I, I just don't see Baylor losing this game. I really don't. I think I think Baylor is going to be head to the national championship, and that brings us to the second matchup: number eleven UCLA versus number one Gonzaga, which is tonight at eight thirty-four. Another random time, like we said. Um, UCLA's had a great run. I think it's pretty remarkable that they made it all the way to the Final Four, especially starting off in the first four. Uh, Johnny Juzang has become a great player. You know, they, so a lot of these guys have elevated them, themselves into the national spotlight really uh from this tournament as we see in every tournament you know they, you get names that you remember mainly from the tournament but this is a big task for them to take on Gonzaga and similar to Baylor Gonzaga is poised for this moment they're undefeated this season they wanted to win a national championship last year they came back with an even deeper team this year adding Andrew Nemhard and Drew Timmy stepped up and got more, got even more playing time. He did play a good amount on um, the year before, but he's he's turned into a completely different player. Uh, Corey Kisbert went from a good player to a national player of the year candidate. So it's, I think the I'm going with Gonzaga again, and I think that we're going to get a Gonzaga versus Baylor national championship, which is exactly what I wanted. And exactly what I think all college basketball fans wanted. We wanted to see this matchup at the beginning of the season, the two best teams in the nation. There is no denying it. Uh, they were one and two in the nation for almost the entire season. Um, I think UCLA has too big of a task. And Zaga just makes good teams look terrible. They really do. They, they've rolled through this tournament. They played some good teams. They've had, you know, they, they just pull away. And they're so deep. I I don't see Gonzaga losing this game. I I think I think this would be if UCLA were to somehow win this game, this would be one of the biggest upsets of all time. Really, like I I want to go out on a limb and I I could really say that this this that would be a dark horse. And you mentioned UCLA has faced loads of adversity throughout the entire season. This is a very young Bruins team that Mick Cronin led. Now, I think the line is 14 in Gonzaga's favor in this game. 
So Mick Cronin brought this team from the first four to the final four. You had to start off beating a Tom Izzo-led Michigan State team. You were able to do that. This is the first time a team's gone from the first four to the final four since the VCU Rams in 2011. It's only the second time it's ever been done. UCLA came into this tournament losing four games in a row. They were awful, terrible, somehow doing this without Chris Smith. You mentioned another player, but also Jalen Hill, who Mm -hmm. had to leave the team. We didn't bring him up. They beat number two Alabama in the Sweet 16, a team that a lot of people had coming out of that region because they didn't trust Michigan. Then they go in and beat Michigan. Wagner probably had the worst game of his life. And that's credit to Johnny. I know Johnny Juzang did most of the scoring in that game, but Hakez, Hakez is an outstanding player yeah. for them. He's a guy nobody talks about who does all the little things on the court. He'll score for you. He'll defend. He'll rebound. He's a smart, high IQ player, and he's only a sophomore. But Gonzaga's undefeated. They've been beating teams on average in this tournament by 24 points a game in their first four tournament games. Drew Timmy, as you mentioned, has been one of the best scorers in the tournament, Six foot ten. I don't know who's going to defend him on UCLA. Timmy has scored at least 22 points in the last three games. Gonzaga is going to dominate the paint in this game. The only chance UCLA has is if they try to minimize Drew Timmy's impact. But then you got freshman Jalen Suggs and you got sharpshooter Corey Kispert to worry about, right? So that's where I find the challenge. As we're UCLA, their shooters with Drew Zhang, Tiger Campbell, as you mentioned, Hakez even, um, Kaiman when he's in there, he doesn't get many minutes, but Zag's do an excellent job defending the perimeter. And UCLA has relied on Drew Zhang to kind of carry them through this tournament, and that's what he's done. That's what he's done. He scored 28 versus Michigan. They're going to need guys like Bernard, Riley, Campbell, Hakez to really step up. This Gonzaga team averages 92 points a game, and they're looking to become the first team to win the national championship and go undefeated since the 1976 Indiana Hoosiers. It's not ending for them here. They're getting past UCLA. Gonzaga, Baylor, national championship game. What everybody wants to see. But before we move on from UCLA, outstanding season. This is one of the best tournament performances ever by a double-digit seed. There's no doubt about that. They, you, No matter what the outcome is tonight, and I personally think it can get out of hand really fast, uh, you got to give UCLA credit for making it this far. You know, it's an incredible job. Mick Cronin really elevated himself into the limelight. You know, he's an amazing head coach. What he's what he's done with this team is is pretty remarkable. Uh, with all the injuries that they've dealt with, Johnny Juzang was a tremendous addition. Was at Kentucky. Uh, was a California kid. Decided to come home uh, after COVID hit. You know, he spent a lot of time at home. You, anyone who was watching these games definitely saw the segment on him that ESPN did or um, not ESPN, uh, CBS did on him. And he, you know, went home to California, decided he wanted to come back home, was a UCLA fan growing up. It was a great story. And he's been the catalyst behind their deep run this year. But Gonzaga is a different breed. And this is the deepest. We've seen a lot of great Gonzaga teams in our lifetime. They've been tremendous over the past 20 years. This is the deepest team 
that they've ever had. And, you know, this is one of the deepest teams in college basketball history, I personally think. Uh, they're they're going to be dominant. And a Gonzaga versus Baylor national championship would be incredible. I think that's what every, every college basketball fan wants to see. We all wanted to see that at the beginning of the season, the number one team in the nation versus the number two team in the nation. There's nothing better than that. You know, we love a good Cinderella story and watching these teams go, but – there's nothing better than the two best teams that are neck and neck uh, dueling it out. The best offensive team in the nation in Gonzaga versus the best defensive team in the nation in Baylor. That's that's going to be incredible. And so since we both have the same national championship, who would you take in a Gonzaga versus Baylor national championship? Oh, my gosh. Well, I was going to kind of make my decision tomorrow after finding out who wins. But if that is – you know, I do kind of want to see how both teams play today to see yeah. what that momentum is going into Monday night. They would play, right, Monday night. Um, it's hard to really bet against Gonzaga. This is the problem, right? Baylor's the more experienced team. As deep as Gonzaga is, Baylor has that experience factor, and they have a lot of scores. Both teams are extraordinarily deep. Scott Drew against Mark Few, I think it's Gonzaga's time. I just think it's their time to win one. I think they're yeah. going to do it. Uh, I know Andy mentioned UCLA might put Cody Riley on uh, Drew Timmy, but uh, Timmy has been the X factor this entire tournament. And, you know, he's going to be that X factor again for me against Baylor. I think Baylor, the one thing that, again, it's going to come down to foul shots. Who, who's going to make more foul shots? You know, they're, they're going to be physical out there. And I think Gonzaga has – slightly better shooting, slightly better coaching than Baylor, yeah. regardless of the experience factor. I don't think – Jalen Suggs, Ayai, like these guys are good. These guys are really, really good. And the fact that they're playing this well, this young, tells you something. So I stuck with Gonzaga at the beginning. I'm going to stick with it. The Gonzaga Bulldogs will be your 2021 national champions. But this game could potentially – take an extra session i agree we're going to, we i i can see us getting free basketball on monday night uh be a nice a good overtime in a gonzaga versus baylor matchup uh it's tough and i completely agree with you i would go with gonzaga i feel like gonzaga is going to finish the job if i had to guess right now obviously we want to see how these two teams play uh t- tomorrow all right tonight and before we can really jump into monday night uh, but it's, I, you know, just like I had at the beginning of the season, I have Gonzaga, I had Gonzaga winning it all. And I think that they're by far the most dominant team. And I think that, and I'm really excited to, to watch both of these games tonight, you know, see what kind of, what kind of games we get, what kind of outcomes we get, see if UCLA can stick with Gonzaga. You really never know. Um, see wilder things in March Madness. We really have. So it's, it's anybody's game, any of these four teams, can do anything. You really never know. No matter how good Gonzaga and Baylor are, no matter how dominant they are, we've seen crazier things in March Madness, and it, it would be it would be pretty insane if if it came down to that. So, well, that's going to wrap it up for today's episode. I want to thank everyone who tuned into the Review and Preview Network to watch another episode of the Three and D, and to all those listening via podcast, YouTube, etc. I hope everyone enjoys this jam packed weekend slash early week uh, of college basketball. 
Final Four tonight, national championship on Monday night. It's going to be incredible, and I can't wait for it. Tom, you got it? Got anything else? No, nothing much. Just uh, you know, make sure you enjoy some college basketball today, folks. That's what it's all about. Paul, thanks for having me again, as always, and uh, looking forward to uh, texting you uh, about this tonight, Monday. It, it's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm I'm hoping for some surprises, but we'll, we'll see. I'm excited. I can't wait. And, you know, I hope everybody else enjoys it. No matter what matchup we get on Monday night, especially, both matchups are going to be great tonight. No matter what we get on Monday night, it's going to be incredible. And it's going to be great watching a national championship again, first time in two years. So have a great week, everybody. And we'll see you next week.